Hello and welcome to Mommying, Surviving, and Thriving, a podcast for women that believe in living their best life while working and raising a family at the same time. We discuss how to live a happy, healthy, wealthy, and thriving life while balancing the demands of being a woman, mom, and all-around superwoman. We're here to inspire you with a new perspective and to also create a community of supportive women in the process. Let's dive in. Ladies, welcome to this episode of Momming, Surviving, and Thriving. Today, we will discuss a very important topic for us women, self-care. Today, I'm happy to have with us Dr. Alessandra Peru to discuss the importance of practicing self-care. Dr. Alessandra Perot is the owner of WILD, Women of Worth and Destiny Center for Wellness. She is a self-care architect and holistic practitioner. Alessandra is a graduate of Xavier University of Louisiana College of Pharmacy and Howard University School of Divinity. She has practiced pharmacy for over 20 years. Alessandra created WILD Center for Wellness to be a sacred space for restorative energetic self-care practices that allow for transformative shifts in the body, mind, and spirit that strengthen, heal, and empower women. She partners with women, tapping into the magical and restorative power of self-care practices to support them on their journey to remember and reclaim their authentic self, reconnect with and renew their worth so that they may work and walk fully and boldly in their divine destiny. Alessandra stays busy with her roles as wife, daughter, sister, mother, and godmother. She loves to travel, cook, and of course, practice self-care. Welcome, Alessandra. Hey, Myla. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You cannot see her, but she has the biggest smile ever. (laughs) The biggest smile. When I smile. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I just a uh, brief background on you. Can you just give us a little bit more about who you are and why you started WILD? Sure. So as you shared and read, I am um, a pharmacist by training and I've been practicing for over 20 years now, career in the arena of end of life care, um, which is very rare for most people um, because most people don't like to start with death. They wanna start with all things surrounding life. And so it was in that space of dealing with death and dying that was actually, the best work that I've ever done. It's my favorite work. It's been the most rewarding work that I've done in pharmacy. But it was in the space of end of life care that I found myself uh, becoming more and more deeply connected to spiritual matters and looking at things from a much more holistic practice. Um, Because in end of life care, when you're working with hospice teams, you have all these disciplines that are at the table, and no one discipline is more or less important than the other. But what does happen is based on what's going on with the patient, one may rise to the top, 
-hmm. and become a priority. So this idea of um, a holistic practice is something that I have been familiar with and I have incorporated um, into my practice for a very long time now. And so it was in that space of end of life care that I received my calling into ministry, went on to divinity school and Fast forward to all of the work that I've been doing um, has landed me here. So if I even hit rewind in my time of end of life care, while it sounds great, like, oh, beautiful clinical work, part mm -hmm. of my work was clinical, but another huge part of, part of it was administrative. I was the very first pharmacist that this organization had ever hired. Mm -hmm. I was busy trying to cut costs and maintain good patient care, creating clinical guidelines. And frankly, as a, I think I was just 26, 27 years old, their first pharmacist, young black pharmacist, I was there was just the pressure of being all of those things and mm -hmm. wanting to um, excel, wanting to make sure that I didn't fail on any front. And so I found myself working ridiculous hours, right? Nobody said you need to work all these hours, but yet I found myself putting in all of these hours. And I remember I had I'd gotten sick. Um, I thought it was just a cold. And then I was coughing and coughing and coughing for months after. Mm. I mean, it sounded like I had whooping cough. And I finally went in to see my, my doctor and he's like, Alessandra, you have walking pneumonia. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have things to do, right? And instead of taking time off from work, resting myself, what did I do? I continued working 17 and 18 hours a day. And it seems like it must have been the better part of six months that it took for me to kick that cough. Um, and as a result, for many years after, I think it's just actually been since I left full-time work and, and corporate pharmacy, that whenever I would get a cold, I would have this whooping cough sounding light cough for two to three months after every single cold that I had. Mm. And it was because I was not taking care of myself. And so after that event, I promised myself, you're gonna take a vacation every year, you're gonna do a better job of taking care of yourself. What happened? The next crisis at work happened and I was right back into the throes of it. And this essentially repeated itself from 2001 to 2017. Wow. And for 16 years, I was that woman who, was like, whatever the job calls for is what I'm gonna do. And I mm. expected nothing less of myself. And it wasn't even like a really high expectation to me. That was just normal. So I did what I thought was the normal thing to do. That's what you know all of my friends were doing and that's what the job required. So I wanted to show up the way that I was expected to. And so that's what I did. And in 2016, it was November or December of 2016, I was standing in my office and my office had these three huge windows that I could see outside. And I was standing, I was looking out of the window, probably contemplating what I was gonna do that day, what my next move was, who I needed to call or whatever. And I heard God say, you need to get this paperwork cleared up because you're not gonna be here much longer. Mm. I've only heard the audible voice of God one other time, one other time. 
And I responded the same way I did the first time I looked over my shoulder, which was an acknowledgement, but I heard something. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I have a wedding to plan. You're tripping God. And I turned up <laughs> doing what I needed to do, but I never forgot it, but I just pushed it off. Cause I was like, God, you know, God must be tripping right now because I have this wedding coming up in April. And so while on our honeymoon in Key West, I started feeling like I can't go back. Mm. Like as soon as I started thinking about work, I would get so anxious. And when we got back from our honeymoon, um, which was the beginning of May and I returned the first full week of May, I knew that I couldn't do it anymore. Like I just was like, I can't keep asking myself to work 16, 17 hours a day, not including the two hour commute, one hour there and Mm -hmm. one hour back not including the fact that I would be checking email and checking my phone throughout the night, not including the Saturdays and Sundays that I would work, not including all of those things. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I I, I just cannot do this. I just got married. I didn't want to look up and have five years gone by and not remember what my first five years of marriage were. And it was a very hard decision because I was the breadwinner and I had just gotten married. Mm -hmm. That's not what my husband signed up for. Right. Right? It wasn't even what I thought I had signed up for because at this point in me saying I knew I didn't want to do it anymore, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what would be next. I just knew that I didn't have the whatever to do it anymore. And I I knew that I needed to choose me because I had my first panic attack, my first and only panic attack while I was in this position. And I felt like at the rate that I was going, I was going to have another panic attack. Mm. My sister was convinced if I stayed in it that, you know, I might have died because I was just working so much and living off so little sleep with a two hour, a 100 mile commute in the day you know, being tired at the wheel and all of those things. Mm So um, August 2nd, 2017 was my last day. Um, It was the official, official, official day of choosing me. And August 3rd started a whole new journey. I love it. Wow. I I, choosing you and that's courageous in itself. Um, I understand where you're coming from, where you're just, it, it hits you. And you realize you can't do it anymore. But mm-hmm. I guess, and also, but that fear comes in because like you said, you're like, I know I don't want to do this, but I don't know what's next. Mm-hmm. And so that's also another courageous part for you to kind of take in that leap saying, okay, this is it. I'm choosing me. I'm choosing my health first. And mm-hmm. a lot of what you talked about, um, there's another episode that's coming about burnout and imposter syndrome and everything you just talked about speaks to that as well yeah so very powerful very very powerful story so thank you for sharing that with us so you yeah. have a learned long journey 2001 to 2017 I wasn't expecting that I thought yeah. you were going to say like 2001 to 2005 but that's amazing that's amazing mm-hmm. but you know it's kind of like true for many of us we do it for so long and time passes mm-hmm. that we forget how much time has passed and because 
I was in one job for, I've never, I've never worked at the same place for more than five years, <laughs> but <laughs> then you move on and you're thinking, oh, things will be different. And because it's a different chapter of the book, I didn't necessarily make the connection that I was still doing the same thing to myself. Mm. It's just a chapter, a different place, different people that I'm working with, different company. And was that also interesting, as you said, you had just got married, married and your husband didn't sign up for this. And because I think as women, we go to that, the other person first, right? Before you even kind of figure out, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what he signed up for. So that was also interesting that, that um, you said that as well. Yeah, I think because I recognize that our marriage is a partnership and as much as he loved me and as much as he still loves me, I knew that it would be a huge shift for us. You know, if nothing else, it would be a huge financial shift. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm just really grateful that he supported me. You know, he, he was like, um, babe. So usually when, what I know is that when you leave one job, you got something else lined up, but you don't have, <laughs> and I was like, you're right, I don't. And I don't know what's next. And so I am, I am truly grateful and truly blessed that even though there were times where he was like, I don't really understand what's happening, that he still stood by me and he supported me. Um, and we've made it, we've made it work. We've made it work. That's awesome. And that's what partnerships, that's, that's what you do. You definitely may make it work. And your husband sounds like my husband, he was like, okay, so what's the plan? <laughs> what, what's the plan I, I support you but what's the plan right you have right. to have something um coming next so that that's funny but um moving on um so obviously this is your life now this is what you do can you tell me what does self-care mean to you yeah so self-care for me means taking actions and participating in behaviors that are nurturing and nourishing for your body, mind, and spirit. To me, self-care is about doing the things or doing nothing that allows for um, the opportunity for you to connect with yourself. Um, and not just on a superficial level, but at a level that allows you to recognize what's going on within you, um, what you may be contributing to and manifesting around you. It's a space that um, allows for transformation. And so for me, you know, everybody, you, you hear people say, you know, self-care is whatever it is that you need it to be. And that's true to some extent, but for me, self-care really is in not necessarily the deepest practices, because I don't want your listeners to think that it means that you necessarily have to go and do something complex. It could be simply taking 60 seconds to take some deep breaths. It could be taking 60 seconds to simply stop and allow yourself to simply be without moving on to whatever the next is. Um, Self-care for me is not getting my nails done or getting my hair done, even though those are things that I need to do. To me, those are maintenance things. For me, when I leave the nail salon, I don't leave feeling nourished. 
right? Because the nail tech, she's not really paying that much attention to me. She's paying attention to my toes and to my feet and that's it. Mm -hmm. She asks me a question here and there, but half of the time she's talking to the nail tech that's working next to her. Um, Not to me, she's not deeply concerned about me and my wellness. And so when I leave, I leave with something done, but I don't leave with something that deep on the inside that by the time I wake up the next day that I'm still carrying with me. Interesting. I I love that explanation. And with your experiences um, with working with women, what would you say are their top stressors? Why do they come to you? What are the main pieces? So interestingly enough, one of the big things has been this feeling disconnected from self. Um, disconnected from the ways in which you knew yourself to be, Mm. uh, disconnected from just what you thought was normal for you. And I think behind that is living a life where it has been a lot of outward giving. So giving to the job, giving Mm. to the family, giving to friends, giving to organizations that you might be tied to without the consistent giving to self. And as a result of always giving, always pouring, women are finding themselves with a cup that's more and more depleted. And then when you have this moment and you realize that the cup is depleted, even though you might not use that language, Like, what does this mean now? Like, I don't really know how to function in this place. Now I realize my cup is depleted. It's one thing when you're kind of working and you don't even realize it. But once you have that moment, like, I can't do this anymore. That moment I had, it's like, now what do I do with that? And how do I um, navigate in such a way that I can come back into a space of knowing me? I think that's very interesting um, because it seems like most women, I don't want to say most, and I'm going to get your answer from this. They realize it when, like you said, their cup is empty. Are there any examples of where women figured it out before? And kudos to those women if they did. When do they come to you? Is it usually before? Is it during? Or tell us a little bit more about that. I think it varies. It varies for many women. Some women have made a determination at some point before they see me that self-care is just a priority for them. And because they have said that self-care is a priority for me, I become part of what they do for themselves. So coming to me is nothing new, but they're coming to me for Um, self-care maintenance, if you will, right? So that they have some of these tools, some of these pieces that allow them to be well in body, mind, and spirit so that when they're working these 17-hour days or when they have the complexities of caregiving for parents and for children, they have this really strong foundation that allows them to Um, be able to maintain in such a way that doesn't result in them being depleted. Then you have the other extreme, which is the person who doesn't know. And it's like, you're at rock bottom, absolutely exhausted. um, And then coming to me um, at that point, because it's like, I'm so exhausted. I can barely do fill in the blank. 
and then there's everything in between. Some women may not necessarily um, come because they're intentionally self-caring. Some of it is curiosity. But what is this restorative yoga that you keep on posting about? <laughs> I want to experience it. Or what does it mean to, to, to do a ritual or whatever it is? That some of it is out of curiosity. And then from curiosity, it's the felt sensation in body, mind, spirit that, yeah, you know what? I do need this. This is something that I need to make sure that I engage with with some kind of consistency. And talking about that, if you can talk a little bit more about some of the benefits of self-care. So, you know, women, we're worried about our partners. We're doing so many things. Sometimes we don't have time or we say we don't have time for ourselves. So I guess it's a two-part question. One um, is what are the benefits of self-care? And then the second part for that is how can we start to begin to make time for it? Yeah, so I think one of the best ways that I can describe the benefit or the benefits of self-care is the same way that a doctor explained the work that we do in end-of-life care. And the way that this doctor explained end of life care was such that we all show up for the patient and for the family so that the patient has the time and space to do what's most important. So we take care of symptoms, we take care of anxiety, we manage depression, we take care of pain so that you can spend your time not taking pills for the sake of taking pills, but so that you can spend your time not thinking about how much pain I am, not doubled over in pain, not completely withdrawn, but instead so that if what's important to you is sitting at the kitchen table with your family, gather and hearing the conversation and participating in conversation that you're able to do that. If what is important to you is being able to go outside and sit on your lawn, then you can do that. If what is important to you is to be able to fill in the blank, that's why we are here. For me, that's the benefit of self-care. Good, consistent self-care allows you to be able to do the things that you need to do and that you want to do. Bottom line, whatever that is. Good self-care, consistent self-care allows you to feel the way that you want to feel and to be able to weather storms. So if you want to be able to feel happy and joyful, content, if you want to have clarity, if you want to feel empowered, if you want to feel strong, good, consistent self-care allows you to be able to do all of these things. Now, mind you, acknowledging that stressors come, we can't get away from stressors, but good self-care helps you to be able to weather the storm of stressors. So I use myself as an example. My dad recently had surgery, um, and this is the first time my dad has ever had to have surgery. This is the first time I've ever had to do anything where I had to step in as daughter to serve as caregiver. Um, and so leading up to that, now becoming the one who's going to all of his doctor's appointments and doing all of that stuff, it was a stressor. However, I would say that if I had to measure my stress level on a scale of one to 10, it was probably about a two or a three because every day 
I was making sure that I did something for me. If it was a matter of getting good sleep, at least six to eight hours of sleep, doing meditation, practicing my yoga, getting a walk-in, making sure that I nourished my body, um, taking a moment just to be still. Those were the things that I was doing. And those are the things that I continue to do so that when the shit hits the fan, I'm not swirling in the fan with the stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> my feet are still here on the ground and I'm able to do the things that I need to do um, without um, collapsing underneath. I like that. I like that. And you kind of went into what my next question was going to be, um, is how, what are some tips to, uh, for the audience to kind of create that daily or maybe weekly self-care piece? Yeah. Um, cause we're running around again, like I said, we're doing so many things. We say we don't have time, but mm -hmm. I think everyone, um, has time. We just have to commit to it. So if you can yeah. talk more about some tips on that. So I would suggest, so you and I, we have um, shared relationships. And one of the shared relationships that we have is with Demetria Hill Sloan, whom you had on your podcast yes. um, a little while ago. And <clears throat> I've worked with her as a business coach. And one of the things that she had me do was do, um, what do you call it? Like a time diary to write down how I'm spending all of my time. And I did this like over a period of either one or two weeks. And in doing that, I was able to see the ways in which I really have more time than I realize that I have. It's just the ways in which I use my time. Now, I wouldn't say for someone who's super busy that you got to go and, you know, keep a time diary, but it might be something to consider. The other thing is for the times that you might sit down to get on social media, there presents time to do self-care. Um, if you are a binge watcher of anything, there's time to do self-care. And while folks may think that, you know, binge watching is self-care, I guess it could be. But for me, what I would ask is after you finish binge watching, how does it make you feel? Right. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets at asking these probing questions about how is it that you want to feel? And after you do the things that you would call self-care, does it help you to get to wherever it is that you say that you wanna feel? Um, and so I think that getting self-care in, again, because it doesn't mean that you have to spend hours, self-care might be 60 seconds. We have 60 seconds at some point in the day. Even if 60 seconds is sitting in your car for one minute before you go into your office or before you pick up your children, go into the grocery store or something, you can take 60 seconds and simply breathe. And the simply breathing is really such an amazing gift to your body, to your mind and to your spirit that those 60 seconds can be so transformative for you that if you take 60 seconds in the morning, then you're like, well, you know what? That 60 seconds was so good. I'm gonna make sure I get my afternoon shot of 60 seconds. I'm gonna get my 60 seconds before I go to bed. Before you know it, you've got three minutes of self-care in. And then I think what happens is as you begin to see how it feels, you become much more intentional about saying, you know what? Once a week, I'm blocking off one hour of time. Before you know it, it might become two or three times a week. 
might become an hour where you are blocking off more time for yourself so that you are able to really feel deeply nourished and nurtured within so that you can be strengthened, healed, and empowered to be able to do all those things that you want and need to do. So I think part of it is, one, is the acknowledgement, and two, it's the doing it. But when we do it, we don't have to try to go from zero to 60, put a zero to one or zero to 0.5 and not make it super complicated. Great point. And I'll always say, also add to that, just practicing it, right? Just like what we tell our kids, it's always repetition. So like you said, that 60 minutes turns into two minutes, turns into an hour if we continue to do that, because we start to enjoy that quiet time or the five minutes outside stretching, whatever it is, we start to enjoy that. And we then see the benefits of how we feel after we do it. So yeah, I agree. Great. I mean, you know, it's really no different to when you are changing your palate, right? If you are used to eating a particular food or a particular kind of food, and let's, let's just say it's fried food, <laughs> right? Um, and I love some good fried chicken. Don't we all? But let's, <laughs> let's just say it's that. You know, my own experience has been that when I start adding something, and I don't have to add a whole lot of everything, but let's just say I start adding a salad once a week, find myself wanting a salad more often. I find myself um, craving a salad and my body recognizing, girl, it's been a few days since you've had some, you know, uh, dark leafy greens, like, you know, you begin to sense that. And instead of it being a year going by before you're like, dag, I haven't had time for myself. It only takes two or three days or, you know, that, that time period shortens. I'm definitely experiencing that because I've, I used to be, I can't say I am anymore because of this change used to be a carb fiend. So I, in the last several months, I've kind of decreased the amount of carbs, carbs that I'm eating because I was a bread lover, had to have bread every day. Not with you. <laughs> so, but it has changed. And that's why I keep telling people it just takes time. Um, and once it's kind of like you've done it for so uh, for a long time, you're not craving it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do not have bread every day like I used to. So it, it yeah. just takes time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this has been an awesome conversation. Um, and I know you have uh, your morning sessions that you have on Instagram. How can the listeners follow you? Sure. They can follow me on Instagram as well as Facebook. Um, You can find me at Wild Wellness, W-O-W-D Wellness. I'm on both of those platforms. You can go to my website, same name, wildwellness.com. And you can engage with me in any of those ways. Um, You can drop comments. You can uh, drop into my DM. All of those are welcome. And I would definitely encourage you ladies to um, definitely follow Dr. Alessandra. And then I was able to experience one of her sessions with Demetria, as we talked about at one of her spring into leadership um, sessions. So it was phenomenal. Um, It definitely kind of made me kind of think about of doing this more on a daily basis. That's the Mm self-care piece. So I do appreciate your time today, Dr. Alessandra. Um, again, ladies, um, I'll tr- put her information in our comments or in our um, description so you'll be able to follow her. 
Um, any last words before we leave? Um, I think I would just close out by saying one, thank you so much for having me. It's been a privilege and an honor to be present and to be able to share with your audience. Um, and two, I would encourage women to um, extend grace to yourself, right? Because it can be very easy to be like, Dad, this is another thing that I'm not doing right. Um, but instead to flip it into, you know, I have an opportunity to be a blessing to myself because we often think about being a blessing to somebody else, but you're creating opportunities to be a blessing to yourself so that you can be a blessing to someone else, to extend kindness and grace and love to yourself because using harsh words to yourself, um, it doesn't do anything to advance your cause. Um, and I would say that and to allow yourself to um, enjoy the journey of self-care and be strengthened, be healed and be empowered. Beautiful. I love it. I, nothing else for me to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, Dr. Alessandra. It has been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you, ladies, for being here. And until next time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Mommy Surviving and Thriving. Stay connected by liking, following, and subscribing. We're accepting topic requests and questions by email. Info at mstpodcast.com. Are you balanced at all? Remember, there's only one of you. Stay positive and give yourself grace. We're here to support you in community on your journey to becoming happy, healthy, wealthy, and thriving. See you next week.